Church, can we agree on something this morning? That communication is a big deal. Like clear communication is a big deal. Precise communication. I'll give you an example. If I were to ask you, hey, what are some of your favorite things? And you say, oh, I, I love cooking. You know, I love my kids. I, I love my dog. I'd be like, oh, okay, those are some cool things. But if I say, what are some of your favorite things? And you say, oh, I like cooking, my kids, my dog. I'm going to think you're crazy, okay? So communication, how we communicate, the way we communicate matters. Say it matters. It does. It was like a comedy uh, sketch in my car this week as Ava and I were communicating. The reason it would have been a comedy sketch is because Ava just got her wisdom teeth pulled on Wednesday. Now, I, you, some of you know about six weeks ago I had two of my wisdom teeth out. And I, I manned up. I, I didn't want the gas. I didn't need it. I said, I want to be fully awake and alert as you rip the teeth out of my head. And I, after, the, after they did that, I told Ava... I said, don't do it like your dad did it. That was a huge mistake, okay? You, you want extra gas, right? Uh, load me up. So Ava did go under. They took out her uh, wisdom teeth, and we're traveling back home. And Ava's got about three feet of gauze shoved in her mouth, you know, just mouth wide open. It's coming. Up. So we're traveling home, and Ava starts to decide to have a conversation with me. It was great. So I, I can't, how did it sound like? It was something like, Dad, can we go to the and I was like, no, no, understand. Here's what makes it really funny. Ava's sitting in the passenger seat talking like that to me. I, some of you know, I lost hearing in my right ear a few months ago. So I can't hear anyway. So she's like, Dad, can we go over to rent? I'm like, I'm like, what? And then she thought, well, I'll just say it louder. Dad, can we go over to rent? And I'm like, Ava, you know, here's what we're going to do. You're either going to write down what you're saying. Or we're just going to be silent because you're slowly killing daddy right now. So we're, don't stop that. So it was just clear communication matters. I don't even know what instructions you were giving me, Ava, but you were trying and I was trying and it was like a rough day. Um, I share that with you because Paul, uh, who's a great Christian man who wrote much of the New Testament, clearly communicated something with the church one time. And it was like the final things he ever said to the church. And you thought he, he thought he was being clear. He thought he was being precise. But what he was saying didn't really, it didn't really make sense. Now, I'm going to get to that in about two and a half minutes. But before we get to that scripture, I want to kind of recap where we've been in this series. Because you, maybe you're new here for the first time. The series is called A Kingdom Mindset. Say kingdom. Mindset. Yeah. Jesus one time called his best friend Satan. And he didn't call him Satan because Peter had killed somebody. He didn't call him Satan because Peter was a horrible, evil person. He called Peter Satan because, because Peter had a worldly and earthly mindset. Because P Peter was thinking about the here and the now versus what is to come. Why would that upset Jesus so much? Because when we think about the here and the now, the, the 70, 80 years, maybe, you might have in this world, maybe, and we neglect the trillions of years to come, we're missing out, and so is others. The illustration in the series has been this rope. And this rope has a little red spot or a little red, um, little red piece on it. This is your life and my life. Before it is history, and the rest is eternity. And this is it. And, and, and Jesus is like, Peter, why would you be so focused on, 
You're living like this. This is all there is, Peter. You're missing it. Why are you living for this? Why are you saying these things? Why are you acting like this? Don't you believe what I said? That trillions of years are coming after this? That, that you're, you, you're, you, you're an eternal being, not temporal? That's what bothered Jesus. And Jesus, I think, is desperate for us to know so many people sell out to this. Most do. But Meadows, if I got it, I'll, I'll remind you till the day God calls me home. You're not most people. Okay, and today God is going to show us how, what to really sell out for, and it's not this. But, but if we utilize this, and, we, and we, we are effective with this, and we are biblical, and we are faithful with this, it will impact eternity for not just you, but many around you. So, let's look at what Paul said. Let's look at the final instructions that Paul gave a church in Ephesus. Now, we don't, you, you probably don't even know where that is, and you don't need to know. I, I can tell you it's modern-day Greece is the area, or actually modern-day Turkey would probably be a more accurate description of where this church was. But the Mediterranean Rim in the Middle East, that's where the very first churches were ever planted in the world. Jesus uh, gave us orders. He said, go and plant my churches. I'll build them, but you do your work. I'll do mine. And Paul and others started to plant these churches. And one of them was in a town called Ephesus. And Ephesus was near and dear to Paul. Now, if you don't know who Paul is, it's cool. He wasn't one of the 12 disciples, but he was, oh, his life was transformed by Jesus. And after he got transformed by Jesus, he started to, to be the, one of the greatest church planters and starters there ever was. And one of those churches was in Ephesus in modern-day Turkey. He started it, and he, and, 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 he, and he hung out there for like three years. It was near and dear to him. He knew them very well. He was like their pastor for that time, and they loved him, and he loved them. Fast forward, Paul's on one of his final journeys, and, and he's traveling by Ephesus, and he gets to another, another little island, and he stops, and he says, gosh, I got to the, give the leaders there some, some parting words. I'll never see them again. I got to give them some final instructions before I go. This is what he says. It's, it's, it's shocking. Here's what he says. Acts 20, 32. Now I entrust you to God. And the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance. Say inheritance. Mm. He's talking kingdom there, just so you know. An inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes, Paul adds. You know these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who are with me. I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. Oh, yeah, and remember the words of Jesus. It's better to give than to receive. Paul drops the mic. Out. It's done. The first part of what Paul said, if I can just tell you this, didn't shock me. The second part did. Paul says, I'll never, I mean, I'll never see you again. I'm thinking to myself, Paul, and that's how you're going to close it? It's like you close mid-sentence, and it's better to give to, than to receive. And he leaves, and I'm sure they're thinking, is there more? Like, it, that's the end of it? There must be, you must, you must be, there, there's got to be another sentence, Paul. It's like when I was in ministry, full-time ministry, when I got called into ministry, I oversaw a kid's ministry uh, for a campus that we launched across town. I've, I've shared this once before, but... When I, when I left the secular world to start working in the church world, um, I mean, I loved it. Eleven months in, my pastor came in, sat down and said, hey, Monty, you're going to be the next pastor. 
the next campus pastor of the location. You're not just going to oversee the kids. You're going to oversee the whole campus. And I'm like, what? I'm like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm no pastor. You know, I, 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 I haven't gone to school for that. And he goes, we'll send you to school. We'll help get that done for you. We'll take care of that. Uh, but, but you're the guy. And I'm like, okay. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I said, okay, so what are some final instructions? What do I need to know? Like, well, first of all, when would I start? And he said, this Sunday. And I said, you're crazy. And I said, this Sunday? I said, well, what do I need to know? He said, just love them. I'm like, seriously? That's, your, that's the prolific word you're going to give me? Just love them? Isn't that a given? And then I became a pastor, and I realized it's not a given. I mean, <laughs> some people are hard to love, and you know who you are. So, uh, but I'm just, it was, he just, just love them. It, uh, yeah, it was interesting. So, but this is what Paul said. And I told you the first part I get. Remember how he started it? He said, I entrust you leaders. I entrust you to God and to the message of his grace. See, that I get. You know what Paul's saying? Remember the gospel. Remember his, that amazing grace. Remember the gospel. That grace that saves you by faith when you believe. If you forget everything else, don't forget that. That's what Paul says. I'm like, I am on board, Paul. I agree. I'm 100%. That's what matters most. And then he throws in the curveball. He throws in what surprises me. Remember how he started? I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. I bet they're like, what? You, okay, that's great, Paul. We're proud of you, but what? What? Uh, you've never coveted. You've never, you know, took what isn't yours. He's all proud of this. I've been a constant example of how to help others. And remember the words of Jesus. It's better to give than to receive. It's in, what's interesting about that, that, that quote from Jesus, it's nowhere in the Gospels. It might be the only time that we see a quote from Jesus that isn't also referenced in one of the, the stories of Jesus. Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But it got said, and Paul remembered him saying it. So much so that he ended his entire, to the church he loved, to the church that he led, to the church that he started. That, that quote meant so much to him that he ended it there. And I'm like, how? At first I thought, as I prayed over the scripture, I thought, so, it's so obscure. It's so weird. It's so strange. And actually, the more I thought about the series that we're doing, A Kingdom Mindset, God showed me, no, it's actually, it would be weird if he didn't close that way. It would be obscure if Paul didn't end like that. Think about it. Je you know what we learned in the, in the series? Jesus talked about possessions, giving, generosity. Well, there's 2,350 scriptures in the Bible regarding it. It's all, it's the main thing Jesus talked about. So wouldn't it make perfect sense that that's what Paul closes with? At first, I thought it made no sense. And the more I prayed, I'm like, actually, it makes perfect sense. That's the very thing you'd close with. Remember the gospel and give. If you do nothing else, remember the gospel and give. Remember the gospel and give. Believe the gospel and live radically generous lives. Then, Paul would say, you will make a kingdom impact. That's it. That's it. So, it's hard to articulate in one sentence, but this is what I want you to take away. This is your final instructions you could say for the series. The more you and I understand the good news, 
the more generous you and I will become. It is a fact. Now, when I say good news, I'm talking about the story of Jesus. When I say good news, I'm talking about the gospel. The, the, the word gospel literally translates to good news. So when someone says the good news, they're talking about the story of Jesus. Remember, the more you understand Jesus, the more generous we become. Paul, before Paul was trans, uh, transformed by Jesus, he, he even had a different name. He, co- he was called Saul. And what mattered to Saul in the world was, was his pedigree. Paul was a very smart, learned man. He was scholarly. He was a Pharisee, a very religious, a part of a religious Jewish sect that was very proud of, of the, the, their knowledge of Scripture, their knowledge of the law. They're, they're proud of carrying it out, being obedient, all those things. He, he, no one could outdo Paul in Scripture, in Bible, Bible trivia. He would win every time on Jeopardy. And I tell you, so Paul has this pedigree. Listen to what he says after he's transformed by Jesus in Philippians 3. I once thought all those things were valuable. All the things that I used to value so much, you know, the, the knowledge and, 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 the, and the, uh, the, the diploma. And, oh, I thought they were all so, such a big deal. I consider them worthless. I consider them worthless because of what Christ, the good news, has done for me. Yes, everything else is worthless. Says it again. When compared to the infinite value, the kingdom value, the kingdom inheritance, when compared to the infinite value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. Paul, Paul's treasure now lies in Christ. Jesus was his treasure. And you remember the scripture, right? Where your treasure is, there your what will be? Yeah. Jesus had Paul's heart. And it wasn't because of what Paul declared. It was because of what he demonstrated and how he lived. And this is true of us. This is true of you. It is true of me. I wrote down, I think I now understand why Paul brings up covetousness. As he brings it up, remember that U-turn he takes. I haven't coveted, I haven't done taken silver or gold. Because he knows that covet, covetousness equals greed. And greed, I, I wrote it down, greed leads to a lack of generosity. Now, now most of us, like, well, let's just do a show of hands. How many here you know, like, I'm greedy, raise your hand, you know you're greedy. Okay, a few of you, I, I, I didn't know if any hands would go up. So, more power to you for acknowledging. Most people have a very difficult time admitting there's any kind of greed because i mean how do you measure it right that's a sin that you can be like eh, i don't know i mean they have a you know nine hundred thousand dollar house but maybe they have orphans living in every one of the 26 bedrooms i don't know i mean maybe they're not greedy we don't know murder that's easier to measure most people know if you murder somebody you probably have a pretty good idea i mean you may, you may not admit it oj but but you did you know so um <laughs> adultery you, you know, most people know when they've uh, been with somebody who isn't their spouse. They don't normally wake up and think, oh, this whole time I thought you were my wife. I don't know how they know. <laughs> Try that excuse. You won't even make it to the divorce. You'll be dead on the spot. Anyway, don't matter. So, um, so we know those are easy to detect. But greed? So it's easy especially when it comes to sins that are, that are hard to quantify or even qualify. Um, f- what, what sometimes we like to do 
Oh, oh, let me own it. Sometimes what I like to do is I like to like minimize my issues and then maybe magnify yours. Um, right? We minimize maybe our greed or whatever is going on in our lives. We maximize other people's. You know what I'm saying? Like addicts are maybe the worst. Like when I went into a 30-day rehab uh, years ago, right now there's a guest. The pastor was in a rehab. Yeah, stick around. We're just getting started. So when I walked into rehab uh, years ago, you, you, I never, I've never told you this. It was my birthday. Now when Jody said, honey, I got a surprise for you on your birthday, I wasn't thinking rehab. You know, I'm thinking, well, no, that, that's what it was. So I'm, you know, I walk into rehab on my birthday, and they have you do a drug test. I don't know why they would do that. Like, who's gonna, who is ever going to pass them on your way in? I mean, anyway, so whatever. They check through your clothes, and they do a test. And I remember sitting down, and the guy's like, you know why you're here? And I'm like, yeah, I know why I'm here. He goes, I said, but I said, uh, I said, yeah, but I don't. It's, it isn't that bad. And he said, he said, it's your birthday today. I said, yeah, it is. He said, okay, you're, you're, you're in rehab on your birthday, but you don't think it's that bad. <laughs> I'm sure he's thinking your urine is radioactive, but you don't think it's that bad, right? It's like, no, I mean, the other guy's worse. We minimize, and greed is an easy one to minimize. I've done it. Um, greed is a heart issue, right? It all starts in the heart, but greed is a sin that Jesus talked about at least 10 times more than any other sin. So because of that, I listened to Pastor Tim Keller give a message that was, that was about greed, and he said we should start with the, with the assumption that we struggle with it in some capacity, so, let it, that it's somewhere in there. That, that would be safe to say because of the way Jesus preached on it so many times. Remember, where your treasure is, there your heart is. See, and, and Tim Keller mentioned about his, his love, how it's effort for, effortless for him to buy books. Because it's, that's easy. That's, that, that has his heart. And I thought, oh my gosh, can I relate to that? C- because I don't know about you, but, but to buy a book on Amazon is very simple. You just, you know, just click, and it's done. And then the book shows up, and I get pretty excited because I love to read. A learner is my number one strength finder. So the book comes, and I'm all excited. But here's the issue. I don't immediately read the book. Do you know why? Because I have 47 other books ahead of it to read. So I put it up on the pending pile. Anybody got a pending pile? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I put it up on the pending pile, and eventually I'm going to get there. But, but, but if I find another book four days later, it's effort. I'm going to buy it, right? I mean, it's more addictive than crack. I mean, and I should know. So, but, I mean, if somebody, if somebody comes up to me and they're like, hey, if I see some guy in the street, he's like, hey, check it out. Got the new one from John Maxwell. I'd be like, ooh, yeah, yeah. You want a taste? I'd be like, yeah. Uh, give me the hardcover. Give me the soft. You can keep the Kindle. I don't need that because I need to feel it. I need to open it. I need to, I need to smell it. Mm. Don't look at me like that. I told you I have a problem. Okay? You're all like, yes. I love books. But so for me, what is your effortless buy? What is your, what do you know has your heart? For me, I can admit it. Books. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to pray about it. They have my heart because I love, I love reading, and, and I get it. For you, it might be something else. It probably, probably maybe is. Now, listen, I tithe to the church. I give above and beyond to other organizations. I sponsor children. We, I do those things, but they're not always effortless, if I can be honest with you. But buying the book, effortless. Why? It has my heart. It has my heart. 
Paul says, what were his marching orders? Give your life to the gospel and be radically generous. The more you understand the good news of Jesus, the more generous you become. So if we're assuming that we have a little bit of greed in us, whatever capacity it is, how do we get rid of it? How do we close the series called Kingdom Mindset and leave here being the church and be more generous? Here's how we don't do it. <laughs> I, I, at least I've learned from the mistakes I've made. Here's, here's what's not going to motivate you and me to be generous. For me to stand up here and tell you, you, you better give. God's, God's word says to give, so you need to give. Now, God's word does say that we should give, but to approach it in that capacity, you know, you, you, if you don't give, God's going to smite you. <laughs> I'm not even sure what smite means, but it's not good, okay? And that, that's not going to, that will not motivate somebody. It won't. And why? It's what we said in week one. If you forgot, I'll remind you. If we change our behavior, oh, look at this. If we change our behavior, well, I better, I better, I better give. But, but the heart doesn't change. It won't last. It never does. It's got to start in the heart. That's why the prayer for this entire series has been, God, change our heart. Change our heart. Change my heart, God. I can be more generous, and I know that in many capacities, I'm not. Talk about me. So change my heart. Help me, help me be more open-handed. So it, it, it's so... Actually, that statement about, about changing your behavior but your heart not changing, that's why I was back in rehab a year later, just so you know. I changed my behavior. I stepped into a rehab center. The problem is the heart wasn't in it. So what's the answer? If those aren't the answer... The answer is one word. You've already heard it, but maybe you didn't catch it in this way. How you and I are going to live generous lives? Grace. One word. God, God's grace will make you more generous. The more you understand his grace, the more you get his amazing grace, the more open-handed you will live, the more generous you'll be, the more you'll not want to live for what you get, but live for what you give. His grace will change you. I promise you it will. When you get it, when you understand his grace, oh, that grace, that's the answer. Grace. Our kids, it's interesting. Who's the greatest gift giver? The answer, you, it's, we're in church, you know the answer, it's God. He is the greatest gift giver. For God so loved the world, he did what? You know the answer. He's the greatest gift giver, the Father. So if we're close to the Father and watching the Father, parents, how many of you parents know that your kids, because they hang out with you and because they listen to you and because they watch you, your kids are going to model your behaviors? Now, now, that's not always a good thing. Can we just be honest? I mean, Ava, she got her eating habits from her dad. And well, sometimes when she eats, I've told you this, it looks like, like a bomb went off. I'm like, Ava, how did you make such a mess? And then her mom will be like, uh, excuse me, honey, right now you have food like on your forehead. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's, so we're in that together. She models her dad in that way. That's not good. But then there's the time six months ago and I've shared this one time where, Jake, I can't remember what you and I were talking about. It must have had something to do with church or Jesus because you casually were sitting on the couch and you're like, I don't know, Dad. If a man can predict his own death and resurrection and pull it off, I'm with him. 
And I was like, oh, it's so good. I say that. You got that from me. You do listen. You are following. I'm like, so what, what is that? What am I telling you? I'm telling you that if, if, if you continually follow the Father, eventually you will start to believe what the Father says and you will start to do what the Father does. You want to follow him. You will model him. You follow him and you will model him. I'm going to take a left turn just for a second, but it's not a left turn and you'll see that when I'm done. Say grace. The Easter promotion that we talked about earlier. Some will be tempted, whether you're in this room or out of this room, to look at this through a religious lens. And you'll look at it and you'll say, huh, helicopters and snow cones, inflatables and pizza. I don't see anything about Jesus on here. I don't see anything about the resurrection on here. I don't see nothing about God on here. You're right. I guess you don't. But I want to remind us who we're called to reach. We exist to lead people to Christ. If you're leading somebody to Jesus, it means they're not with him right now. It means they're not there right now. That's what it means. See, so your goal is just to like get them there. Now you're catching on. Now you're understanding. It is. People have been invited to Easter services and church a lot of times, a lot of, many times, and some haven't. See, here's what people that are lost and, and don't really give a rip about your religion or your Jesus, here's what they do give a rip about. Their family and their kids and, 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 them ha and, and, and having fun and, and having a day that's free and having free snow cones and having free inflatables and having free food. They like that. They'll go to that. So yeah, you, you won't, I guess you won't see, and we didn't, we didn't even purposely, like, we're not going to say Jesus. We didn't even say that. I just looked at it, I'm like, oh, interesting. It says nothing about it. And I like it. I love it. So, because here's what I can tell you, and most of you already know this. When they do come, and they do get welcomed, and loved, and sit in an environment rich, of, rich full of God's word and God's people, they're going to hear about Jesus, a lot about him. They're going to hear about the grace of God covering them. They're going to hear about the sinless, spotless Son of God. They're going to hear about his death. They're going to hear about how he didn't stay dead and how three days later that man brought himself back. They're going to hear the gospel, but you got to get him here first. You got to get him here. I don't know why I felt like adding that. I just felt like I need to cast vision behind this. So we understand, we never get legalistic and turn inward. It's not about you. And it's not, if you're in Christ, it's not about you. I pray to God you know that. You're called to give your life away for the kingdom of God. You're a minister. You're a saint. You, 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 are, you are seated in heavenly place. God wants to use you and your boldness and your invitation to change somebody else's life. So, back to grace. And you can put up the slide. We've said this before. Grace. God's riches. Available at Christ's expense. That's grace. Some people don't know what it is. I don't get grace. What is it? That's what it is. God's riches, a kingdom inheritance, 
available at Christ's expense. Many people don't understand the amazing grace of God. The series, the Easter series, I didn't even touch on. It's called God, Why? Like, God, why? That's what we start next week. Because people got a lot of questions about God. Yeah, there it is. God, why? What would you ask him? I bet, I bet you can come up with something really quick. God, I don't get it. You answer his prayers, but you don't answer hers. God, I don't get it. That person was faithful and full of church and full of the word, and they died at 42. God, I don't get it. I've been try- We've been trying this long to have a kid. They don't even ca- they're not even trying, and they have kids. God, why? Here's the first. We can start the series today talking about God's amazing grace. God, I got a question. Why in the world would you call your son down from heaven to earth? Why? And Jesus, I got a question for you. Why would you do it? You're in heaven with the Father in relationship. You, kingdom riches abound. I wrote it down. Why would you leave? Why would Jesus, why would you come? You had everything. And Jesus might say, nope. I didn't have you. And I didn't have you. And I didn't have you. You must, you must be pretty precious to Jesus. You must be. For him to leave all that for you and for me, you must, you must be worth a lot to him. Leave all his treasures. You know how valuable you are? That should, when you understand your value, it'll change you. When you understand your value, it will change you. See, what we value a lot, and it's got value, but you got to know where it is. Right? The almighty dollar, or 20 in this case. This is, this is valuable, and we can do things with this. But let me, let, go with me for a second here. When I think about my life and what God's done for me, sometimes I still forget my value. Maybe this is why God brought you here, maybe why you clicked online to watch. Because you forgot your value in Christ. You forgot about those riches that he gave up at his son's expense to sell out to you and rescue you from the mess that you're in. But me, even as a pastor, I'll forget. And I'm like, you know what? I'm probably not good enough. You know, Meadows Church, we're probably not, we're probably not holy enough. I'm probably not, I'm probably not uh, scholarly enough. I'm probably not the best model all the time. These are things I think. I'm not just making this stuff on the spot. I think things. There's days I call myself stupid. Leave church and say, you're such an idiot. I just say that. You tell yourself those things? or God, I hope it's not just me, please. But now you know how you can pray for me. I wrote down, I, I forget who I am. And I forget my value. And I'll start believing the lies. I'm not good enough. I've made mistakes. And you know what? I bet I'll make them again. It's only a matter of time before the hammer drops. The gig is up. I'm a fraud. I'm sure of it. And pretty soon I start believing who I was in the past is who I am today. You believing that? Believing what are you even doing in church? The things you've done and the things that you've said. You almost feel like a fraud, don't you? I do. It's like, oh, value? 
invaluable. So, so when you start believing that, and here's what God does, has done for me. He gives me a scripture. He goes, go back to my truth, son. You're jacked up and you're off base. Go back to my scripture. And he says, read Matthew 13, 44. Read it right now. You, get, you open your Bible. You get there right now. Open your app. Get there right now. <laughs> the kingdom of heaven. He always, God always takes me back not to hear, but to hear. He always brings me back to the bigger picture. Just like Jesus wanted to do for Peter. Stop it. That's so temporal. That's so, that's so short-sighted. Look at, okay, Monty, go back. The kingdom of heaven. It's like a treasure. People want to know, what's, what's heaven like? It's like a treasure a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again. Sold everything. He owned to get enough money to buy the field. You might think, okay, I get it, kind of. It's not as, it's not, you can leave it up for a little bit. It's not as easy as you think. I've heard pastors preach on this, and I don't even judge them because I've interpreted it different ways. But I've heard them preach, well, you know what? The treasure's Jesus, of course, Jesus is the treasure. We're the man, we find him. We get them and we sell, sell everything so we can have the greatest treasure, Jesus Christ. I, 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 I get it to a point, but biblically, biblically and theologically, it doesn't add up. Right? Jesus, for one thing, isn't hidden. He's probably the most well-known person who's ever walked the face of the earth. So, so he's not hidden. And, and you certainly can't purchase his grace and salvation. I don't, Buffett, you ain't got nothing compared to what you could pay for Jesus Christ and his grace. Nothing. So that, those things don't add up. But, but above all that, do you know what hit me? I wonder if you even caught it. It took me multiple reads previously to ever get it. He hit it. He sold everything. Take this lie down for a second, will you please? He hit it. He sold everything. And what'd he buy? The treasure? You can put it back up. He bought the whole field. I'm like, he bought it all. And it's like, in that moment, it hits me. Because I don't feel like the, I don't feel like the treasure a lot of days. And God's like, will you read the word? You may not feel like it, I see it differently, but I bought it all. The field is the world. You're in the world, so am I. So it doesn't matter that that you maybe don't look like that shiny person over there, or that glittery person over there, or that spick and span person over there, that you're tattered, worn, dirty, screwed up. Jesus says, I bought it for you. I bought it all. That's how big my grace is. That's how big it is for you. God's grace is bigger than your past. Amen? God's grace is bigger than your past. It is. It is bigger than your sin. Right? Bigger than your your mistakes. It's bigger than your habits. It's bigger than your addiction. It's bigger than your problems, past, present, and future. God's grace is enough. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You just need to receive it. The grace of God. 
here's what I know about this. You just keep this. Let's say you take that. Jerry, that was for her next year there. Thank you. You better. Okay. So let's say you bring that wadded up, disgusting, trampled on piece of money to Target today. And you give it to them just like that. Are they going to take it? They will. It's money. They'll take it. They might ask questions about what the heck you've been up to, but they'll take it. Do you know why? Because the value hadn't changed. Yeah. The outside's messy and muddy. The outside's a wreck. Yes, you are, and yes, I am. But your value in God's eyes does not change. This is the good news. That God sent Jesus. Not to buy just a treasure, a piece, a part, a lot, an acre, but the whole field. Everybody and anybody who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You get to have the grace. It's for the guilty. Are you guilty? I am. It ain't for the righteous. It's for the guilty. I truly believe when we understand the grace of Jesus and what he did to take our place from sin and death, it will radically transform your life. And if that hasn't happened, pray. Surrender today. Surrender that mess. Surrender that stuff. Surrender that secret. Surrender that sin. Surrender that struggle. He died so you would give it to him. He died to take it from you. You don't have to live this way anymore. That's what he wants. That's what he came for. I bought the field. I want it all. But Jesus, those parts of the field, they're, they're not good. Ha, I know. I'm going to give them the most attention. The grace of God in your faith to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Do you know why I love, Jake, you said that that day? Because Jesus is alive today. You just said it. He predicted his own death and resurrection and he pulled it off. Confucius didn't do that. He's dead in bones in the ground. Muhammad, dead, bones in the ground. Buddha, dead, bones in the ground. Jesus, alive, sitting at the right hand of the Father. Holy Spirit, abound. You can be saved by God's grace through faith. Surrender your life. Read the early part of Acts 20. You know what Paul says? Repent. Turn from the crap. You don't want that. You don't have to do that. Stop. Surrender to Jesus. Give it to him. Sell out to the king. Because he sold out for you. This is my favorite. These are some of my favorite messages. So by the way, if you're making that decision, man, mark it down. Let us know. Let us know in the comments. We celebrate those. And people say, oh, that's the end of it. I, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. Are you kidding me? That's just the beginning. That's the beginning of life. Let us love you. Let us walk with you. So now I get to, oh my gosh, I've been so excited. You're going to feel like I set you up. I'll tell you in advance. Because the whole series, you know, it's been tied to the kingdom and the mindset and generosity. And now we get to take an offering. Oh, here we go. The offering isn't from you. It's for you.
I don't know how else to articulate the love of God through giving other than giving. If you're familiar with medals, we've done this before. <laughs> Christian community, of course, they're the ones that will shoot arrows and they do it every time. I love it. I don't care. I welcome it. I love you so much. Before, we've given away money, a lot of it. Today, it's a little different. Today, everybody will get a, a 20 with Acts 2025 stamped right on it. Everybody. We've done families before just getting money. Now it's anybody and everybody, every individual in the room. Just one, one, one Bryce, not, not both services. I can tell what you're thinking, so I'm just kidding. Why, are you, why would you, what's the, what's the big deal about money? I just want to show, I, I want to tangibly show you God's heart. But, but the, I'm going to do something different that we've never done before when we give money away. This is yours that you're getting from the Lord. It's an offering to you. But, but for this particular giving, he doesn't want it to stay with you. We keep saying that there's joy and generosity. Do we believe it? I want to help you experience it. When you get this in your hands, it's yours. My ask, and I believe God's ask, is that you would give it away. However you see fit. That's a pretty wide open window right there for you. You'd give it away. You might attach it to your invite. Well, what, you pay people to come to church? I have before. <laughs> yep. We'll do anything short of sin to reach somebody. Yeah. And I always tell the story of a guy that wanted, wanted money coming through Sioux Falls. And I said, you and your girlfriend stay for church and we'll fill your car up with gas. He didn't get saved. She did. Yeah. It's worth it. But I, but I want you to experience the joy of giving this away. I don't care how you do it. But here's what I, here's what I do want to know. If it's, if it's a story that you think, oh, that's pretty awesome or it's pretty cool, share it with us. I, I want to hear the stories. Hello at meadows.church. Hello at meadows.church. Email us and say, oh my gosh, we did, we gave this and this. And if you're thinking right now, well, I'm not going to take the money. Well, you're not denying me. It isn't, this isn't mine. I don't know why you would do it. It's like you're telling God, nope, I don't want your grace or your money. That is, <laughs> let me know if you do that. I'll take it for, on your behalf. I mean, why would you do that? Why would you turn down a gift from God? And then you're turning down a gift to bless somebody else because that's what it's all about. I'm going to ask the host team to come up. And during this closing song, as we talk about Jesus being our champion, we'll have a host team member here and here. And we'll, we'll just do it orderly for, for something different for our church because I'm not the best about that. But we'll just go front to back. You know, these roles can, whatever, you get it. You know, this and this and doom, doom. Um, take your envelope. Pray over it. Don't leave. Sit back down. Keep worshiping. Because then the prayer team's going to come up and you're going to want to get prayer. Everybody wants insider trading tips, don't they? This is my closing. Someday all this will be worthless. Either when Christ comes back or when you die, whichever comes first, worthless. But while we're alive, we can use it for kingdom glory. I want to do that with you. I want to blow people away with generosity that makes zero sense. You might walk up to your biggest enemy 
God, I don't know why giving. I guess it makes sense that it puts a smile on my face. I've anticipated this message. And the main thing was, I can't wait to get to the gospel and talk about your son, Jesus. Now he saved us from death and hell. If we surrender to him, I can't wait to tell him. I can't wait to tell him. Someone's going to receive it. Someone's going to surrender. And then, God, I can't wait to tangibly give them an opportunity to feel the love of being given a gift. And then the joy, which is even greater, of giving it away. God, I pray they'll share stories to the email. God, I pray that every $20 bill you will touch by your hand. It's way bigger than the money. This is about your love going forth. You gave. I'll never forget the conversation. That one time we did this, God, and a guy's like, well, why would you do that? And I remember thinking, do you even read the word of God? Why would you give money away? (laughs) Because it's just money. Who cares? God's a giver. I mean, (laughs) your grace unmeasurable, unattainable by monetary standards, but available to anybody and everybody. God, I lift up the dirty. I lift up the messed up. I lift up the addicted. I lift up the downtrodden. I lift up the disillusioned. I lift up the, the person that is, thinks they shouldn't even be stepping foot in the church without it blowing up and starting on fire. God, I lift up anybody and everybody living a secret, a sin, a lie. God, let them know they are valuable. Let them know they are loved. Let them know that even though they might be crimpled up and messed up and dirty on the outside, they are precious on the inside. God, their value does not change. If anything, it skyrockets when you are in them. God, may we receive your truth and your love and your life today. The gospel of Jesus Christ has gone forth. Your word is true. You are a gift-giving God. And I wonder if somebody in the place can give that gift-giving God some gift-giving praise right now for what he wants to do in you, through you, through your family, through your children, through your legacy. God, have your way. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Surrender it all to him. Come get prayer. But first, in the name of Jesus, Mike, you can just come right here. They'll come. Thank you. We're still working on Mike. So come up, front front row to back. Take it. I pray when you do, you have a, a smile on your face because you should. There's joy in getting and there's joy in giving. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. And he's just getting started. Hey, I want to thank you so much for watching today, but don't stop there. I want to invite you to like or subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, share this message with a friend. I mean, there are so many people out there hurting, struggling, and you have the ability to make an impact in their life. And finally, if, you're, if you live in the Omaha area, I want to encourage you, come join us on a weekend service. We would love, love to meet you. God bless you.